This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. In our study in the Sermon on the Mount today, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. To enter the straight gate and travel the narrow way, we must hear God's word. That's the proper guide and obey it. Jesus, in what we're going to study today, warns us that there are those who pretend to be teachers of God's word, God's word, yet they teach false doctrine, and we cannot enter the straight gate by obeying false doctrine because it's the wrong guide. It leads to the broad way which leads to destruction. Jesus instructs us to beware of those who are teaching these false doctrines and he tells us how to detect false teachers in the illustration that is found in verses 15 to 20 that we're going to study today. First of all, in Matthew 7:15, Jesus says that false teachers will mislead you. Matthew 7:15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You know, a false teacher claims to speak for God. A man is not going to come in and say, hey, everybody, I'm a false teacher, but I want to show you this. No, he's going to come in subtly. He's going to come in slowly and try to mislead people. When we go to 2 Peter chapter 2, look at verses 1 and 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says there, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious means destructive by reason of whom the way of the truth shall be evil spoken of. So they're going to bring them in privily, slyly, bring them in slowly. In Jeremiah chapter 28, we have an example. Jeremiah chapter 28. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11 and then also verses 15 through 17. So let's look at Jeremiah 28, 1 through 11. I'm in Ezekiel. I've got to go back to Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah 28. And it came to pass in the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah in the fourth year and in the fifth month that Hananiah the son of Azar the prophet which was of Gibeon spake unto me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priest and of all the people saying alright let's do just a little bit of background work here the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah would have been 593 B.C. You recall from history and from other studies in the Word of God that the Babylonians came in 606 B.C. At that time, under the reign of King Jehoiakim, they took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in captive back to Babylon. They came in and took a lot of the things out of the temple and such as that. Then in 597 B.C., during the reign of King Jehoiachin, or Jehoiakim, however you want to pronounce that C-H. They came, and at that time Ezekiel was taken captive, and many others back to Babylon. Now we're in 593 B.C. 
King Zedekiah is the last king of Judah. It would be in 586, just seven years from now, whenever the Babylonian army would come in and destroy the city of Jerusalem and destroy the temple. So here we are. Babylon's already come in twice, and they are under Babylon right now. And it's during this time that we're looking at here. And this is this prophet Hananiah, and he said this to Jeremiah, verse 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years I will bring again unto this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. Well, whenever you look in Jeremiah 25:11, Jeremiah had said, This whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Okay, we haven't been 70 years yet. But here Hananiah is saying within two years, going to bring everything back, all the people back. Verse 4, And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went to Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Verse 5, Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah in the presence of, of the priest and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away from Babylon into this place. Now verse 7, Nevertheless, Hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesied peace when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it. God had had Jeremiah build himself that yoke as an illustration to what the nation of Judah would be under Babylon. But Hananiah broke that. Verse 11, Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Now let's go ahead and continue reading there from verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I have given him the beasts of the field also. Now verse 15. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year shalt thou die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. So we go back and we look in verse 1. It says, It came to pass in the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, 
the king of Judah in the fourth year and in the fifth month. That's when Hananiah spoke this. It was in the seventh month when Hananiah died. So he only lived two months after he made that false prophesying. He prophesied falsely. He taught false doctrine. He taught what they wanted to hear, but it wasn't what they needed to hear. We are to beware of the false teacher, and that's what Jesus said there, beware. In Matthew 7, 15, the word beware means be cautious about. Let's go to 1 Kings 22, verses 6 and 7. 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 6 and 7. It says there, Then the king of Israel, and this Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, had come up to Ahab, who is here king over Israel, and asked Jehoshaphat for help. Verse 6 says, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, those would be Ahab's prophets, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. In verse 7, Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? Jehoshaphat didn't trust Ahab's 400 yes-men there that for his prophets. Well, verse 8, The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Well, what did Micaiah prophesy? Verse 15, So he said, came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered and said to him, or he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the king said to him, How many times shall I adjure thee, that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? What does that say to you? Ahab knew that all his prophets were not telling the truth. They were just telling what he wanted to hear. Well, verse 17, Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. So what is that saying? That prophesy is saying Ahab's going to die in that battle. And in Ahab, verse 18, the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? Well, what did he prophesy? He prophesied to him the truth because Ahab died in that battle. You continue reading the chapter there. But people don't like to hear the truth. That is the problem. People don't like to hear the truth. They want to hear something that tickles their ears. And we'll look at that in just a little bit. Now, back in Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus says, Beware of false Teachers, beware of false prophets. The word false prophet comes from the Greek word pseudo-prophetes, which Strong says means a spurious prophet that is a pretended foreteller or religious imposter. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, we see that there are many things being taught out there that are not God's word, but they are pretended to be by these false teachers, false prophets. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert 
the gospel of Christ. What are they doing? They're changing the gospel. They're making it of no, no use. Verse 8, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The word anathema is the word there, and it means let him be forever damned in hell, those who do not teach the truth. Now, verse 9, how important was that? As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. They are accursed who do that because a false teacher is a lying teacher. When we look in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, we begin here, let's read verse 5 first of all. It says, Servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service, not as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. You know, what these false teachers were doing was being men pleasers. Men pleasers. We go back to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. We just read verse 9. Verse 10 says, For do I now persuade men or God, for, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Why? Because people don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear something that tickles their ears again. Now let's go to the book of Colossians chapter 2 Colossians chapter 2 verse 4 it says and this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words there are false teachers out there their words are enticing you know have you just an example and you probably know people as well there was a couple in the congregation we used to worship at in Texas, and he came to find out through the words or the preaching there of a lesson that the preacher there at that time did that he and his wife were in an adulterous relationship. And he came to the congregation and said, they're in an adulterous relationship. Would it be okay if they lived together? And Well, they were going to try to live together and and raise their children. They had two couple, a couple of young children there, and that they would just raise them, but they would, you know, be separate. Well, that didn't work. So then they came to the congregation and said, "This isn't going to work for us. Will you accept us the way we are? Will you accept us in this adulterous relationship?" The congregation said, "No." Well, they left that congregation, went down the road just a little bit, found a congregation that would. There were false teachers in that congregation because they were willing to accept an adulterous marriage. A false teacher, again, lying. Look at chapter 2 here in Colossians, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. You know, philosophy is the love of wisdom. There are those who will try to lead us away. The false teacher pretends to deliver a message from God. But really, he just says what's pleasant to his hearers and profitable for himself. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick of the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, that means be ready, in season and out of season, that means when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
Is doctrine important? How many times have you, oh, that's just, heard people say, well, that's just doctrine. You know what? Doctrine is all important. Verse 3, 2 Timothy 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And at the end of the lesson, we're going to look at some of the fables that people are out there teaching. But the false teacher is trying to get you to forfeit your soul to Satan. And sometimes, you know, false teachers, sometimes they've just been taught what they're preaching or teaching and they believe it's true and they need to be taught out of it. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verses 13 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 to 15. It says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. False teachers. False teachers appear to be gentle and meek and interested in the spiritual welfare of others. And to be effective in deceiving God's people, it's essential that false teachers be disguised. Hence, Jesus mentions their wolves in sheep's clothing. That's the disguise that they're using. They want to look like a sheep. They want to smell like a sheep. They want to sound like a sheep. And the church itself is the theater of operations for these destructive teachers. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 30. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 30. Paul is here speaking to the elders from the church in Ephesus. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, and also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. There were going to be false teachers that would come in, not sparing the flock, destroying the flock. And he said, even of your own selves shall men arise doing these things. So the church is a theater where this takes place. And you know, we looked earlier lessons about dogs and hogs. Wolves are more dangerous than dogs and hogs. They are ravening wolves. Thayer says ravenous. They are hungry to the point of madness. All right, so beware of these false teachers, but how do we know them? Judge all teachers by how they live and what they teach. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16 through 19. Matthew 7, 16 to 19. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And in verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. First of all, he says, you will know them. 
you will know them by their fruits. The word know means become fully acquainted with. We can come, we will know false teachers by their works and their words. In Titus chapter 1, look at verses 10 and 11. Titus chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. It says here, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. That would be the Jews. Verse 11, Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. Filthy lucre. They teach what they ought not for money. All you got to do is look at your television and you look at these television evangelists and what are they all out for? They're all out for money. What's Joel Osteen out for? He's out for money. What were Billy Graham and all those out for? They were out for money. A little bit of pride and prestige and power. All those television events. You, have you ever heard anything on any of those about sending in money? Or if you give this much, God will prosper you beyond your dreams. What are we looking at? Wolves in sheep's clothing. We're looking at false teachers, teaching things they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Now look at Titus 1.17. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1. Uh-oh, I don't think that was it. But anyway, let's read, continue reading there in verse 12. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. That means idle gluttons. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Continue reading. Verse 15. Under the pure all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient and to every good work reprobate. So they profess Oh, we know God. We're followers of God. I'm there every Sunday. Look at me. But in their works, they deny him. What did Jesus say? You shall know them by their works. And he gives that example there of trees and things like that. There in Matthew 7, 16 to 19. The trunk. The limbs and leaves of certain trees are very similar in appearance in many ways. But one definite way to tell what the tree is is by the fruit it produces. And that's what he's saying. Ye shall know them by their fruits. They all have trunks. They all have leaves. But you'll know them by their fruit. Fruit takes time to develop. It takes patience. And there is no room for the Lord's, in the Lord's vineyard. In other words, there's no room in the church for overzealous heresy hunters. But you're going to know somebody by their fruits. You give them long enough, you'll find out. A wolf may look like a sheep and act like a sheep, but its true nature is going to be revealed. Now, what are some of these fruits? Does he promote lascivious living, self-indulgence? What kind of an influence do his habits have? How about his company he keeps, his conversation, the words that he says, the attitude that he has? What are the results of his teaching? Well, you will know false teachers by their words. That's another way we can know them. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 
First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Don't believe everybody what they say. Why, Billy Graham said this. The one thing Billy Graham taught was that baptism is not necessary for salvation. The Bible clearly teaches that. So Billy Graham is in error. Billy Graham taught the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is not found in the Bible. So Billy Graham was in error. Don't believe every spirit, but try the spirits. And there are going to be a lot of people out there say, oh, baptism. Here you are saying baptism is necessary for salvation. Well, that's what the Bible says. Mark 16, 15, and 16, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Well, Mark 16, 15, 16 are found in the Bible. Yeah, it's not found in the two oldest manuscripts. But you go back, there are versions of the Bible and writings of early Christians that are 200 years older than those manuscripts that do have Mark 16, 15, and 16 in it. But those are not the only, that's not the only two verses that have baptism, are they? 1 Peter 3, 21, the like figure when the baptism doth also now save us. I think the Bible's pretty clear there. Baptism saves. Acts 2.38, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The word for, there are so many people, oh, well, that, that, that means because of. No, it doesn't. You go look up the Greek word ace, E-I-S. It means into, unto, toward, or for. It never means because of. People will come up with any excuse they can but why don't they just submit to God's word, humble themselves, and accept what he has to say? And there are many other things that we could look at. You'll know false teachers by their words. Again, look at 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. What does that have to do with false teachers? Well, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing or handling aright the word of truth. we got to handle God's word correctly. People will say some things, you know, well, that's just your interpretation. Well, did God mean what he said when he said what he said? In other words, does God mean what he says? Is God so, are we, is God so ignorant that he can't communicate with us his creation? You see, that's the problem. People try to interpret the Bible. We just need to take the Bible what it says and stop this ignorance of trying to interpret it. Well, I'm going to interpret it my way. You interpret it your way. No, let's just say God said what he meant when he said it. we got to handle God's word correctly. In Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45, Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. It says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure out of his heart or of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. You see, the effect of a false teacher's teaching is going to be detected by those that closely watch what is going on. Just as worthless shrub, worthless, excuse me, worthless shrubs do not bring forth good fruit, all religious error brings forth bad results. Now there you think about 
one example here, the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army, all those little kettles and things like that that are out there around Christmas time, are is good done? Well, they're according, you know, the world looks at it, yes, good is done. There is some truth taught by the Salvation Army, but what they teach cannot save souls. And Salvation Army is a church. It is a religion. But what they teach cannot save souls. Just as only the good tree brings forth good fruit, only the teaching of God's word yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. In John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So only through the teaching of the truth can we expect the peaceable fruit of righteousness to be yielded. Over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Exercise, there's something you do. Just as you do not gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles, you can't get the good fruit of a good life from false teaching and bad principles. In the book of Proverbs, look at chapter 23, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The Bible study textbook series says this, and I quote, When a man opens his mouth, whether he intends it or not, he gives himself away. Whatever is hidden in the heart, good or evil, will come out in one speech. A man's words, especially when he's unconscious of them, are fairly are a fairly secure indication of the nature and condition of his heart. Unquote. False teachers and their followers will be cast into eternal fire. That's what Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Matthew 7, 19. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. He just repeated what he said back in verse 6. Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your feet and turn again and rend you. False teachers want to devour you. False teachers can or must. False teachers must be marked and withdrawn from. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such as serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple, or the hearts of the innocent. You know, there are going to be some people out there who are going to say, well, you, you, you can't say Billy Graham's a false teacher unless you go to him. You can't say Joel Osteen's a false teacher unless you go to him because Jesus said in Matthew 18 that you got to go to him. And the answer to that is, no, Jesus did not say that. Jesus didn't say that. You go to Matthew chapter 18, you're looking at a totally different situation. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee. What's this? This is one individual sinning against another individual. This is me sinning against someone or someone sinning against me. It's a sin that they have done. 
that is whenever I go to that individual and talk to them about that. That is when if that individual won't hear, I take one or two more. That is if that individual won't hear the one or two more, then you tell it to the church. And if they won't listen to the church, that is the time that whenever you withdraw from them. That's talking about an individual. Here in Romans 16, 17, and 18, we're talking about false teachers. We're talking about those that cause division. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 3 through 5, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. They're to be marked and withdrawn from. Now, what about some examples of false doctrine? In 2 John verses 9 through 11, we find that there is false doctrine out there and how we're to handle that. Verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, what doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. It's not the doctrine about Christ. It's the doctrine of Christ. What does it say? Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So what are some of the false teachings? Well, you look at every denomination. Every denomination teaches some false doctrine because they're teaching different things. There would be no denominations if only the Word of God was taught. But see, that's the problem. They don't teach just the Word of God. Every denomination has its creed book, whether spoken or written or not written. Once saved, always saved is a false doctrine. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever ye are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. So right there it tells you you can fall from God's grace. Baptism not necessary for salvation, another false doctrine. We've already looked at that a little bit. The use of mechanical instruments of music and songs of praise to God, that's a false doctrine. Oh, people will say, well, David used it. Well, let's see, David had about 14 or 15 wives too. David, during his time, they burned incense. David, during his time, they fought the enemies of Israel and killed them. Are we to fight the enemies of the church and kill them? Are we to use incense? Can we have 14 or 15 wives? You know, using David, David uh, committed adultery. Can we do that? Well, they have musical instruments in heaven. Revelation shows that. You think there's going to be a physical harp in a spiritual world? You need to go in and read that. Go in and read it. And besides that, God tells us what he requires here. Ephesians 5.19 Speaking to yourselves, that means singing to one another. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, where? In your heart to the Lord. The melody is not made on an instrument, a mechanical instrument. The instrument you make the melody on is the heart. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. An instrument can't teach. An instrument can't admonish. 
God says what he wants. You know, you just think about Nadab and Abihu. They were commanded where to get their fire from for their incense altar. Where'd they get it from? Somewhere that God commanded them, didn't command them to get it from. This is Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. And God killed them. Fire went out from the Lord and killed them because they didn't do right. Oh, and then you have so many people preaching, teaching premillennialism. Now, what is that? Oh, talk about the rapture, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the Antichrist. We've, we've done a lesson on that. None of that's true. There's not going to be a rapture. There's not going to be a thousand-year reign. There's no such individual as the Antichrist. Anyone who doesn't believe in God or doesn't believe Christ is God's son's an Antichrist. There are those who teach that miracles are still being done today. And yet, why do they have wheelchair ramps on their church buildings? The Bible clearly says all those things came to an end whenever the true, whenever the complete Word of God came into existence. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse eight: Charity never faileth. Or let's see. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The word perfect there is means complete in the Greek. It is not male, so it's not talking about Jesus Christ. It is not female in gender, so it's not talking about love. You hear, well, when Christ comes, it goes, no, whenever perfect love comes, no. It's a neuter gender. It's talking about the Word of God. And all you got to do is look at the context to see that. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then he says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then, when that which is perfect has come, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know as even I also know. So when the perfect, when the complete will of God came, those miracles ceased. Didn't need them anymore. Did not need them anymore because the purpose of miracles was to confirm the word of God. And the word of God's been confirmed. In Matthew six, or excuse me, Mark sixteen twenty, says they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. The word of God was confirmed by those signs. You know, those are some uh, Catholicism, a false doctrine. Catholicism is actually mentioned in the Bible, not by name, but by the things that they do. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. This is 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving and then, or of them which believe and know the truth. Who forbids to marry? The Catholic Church forbids their priests to marry. Who abstains from meats? They only eat fish on Friday. Catholic Church is mentioned in the Bible. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we see it mentioned there as well. Beginning there in verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, is talking about the end of the world, shall not come except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. All right, who is that man of sin? Verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Who says that he is God's representative on earth, the vicar of God on earth? The Roman Pope. Who are we looking at here in Second Thessalonians 2? The Catholic Church. 
He said, verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his own time. The Roman Empire withheld them at that time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth, or in other words, hinder, there's one that restrains now, in other words, until he's taken out of the way, whenever the Romans were taken out of the way. That's when it came in. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So whenever he comes, that's going to show, be shown to be a false religion. Verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all powers and signs and lying wonders. You know, they talk about bleeding statues and crying statues and thing, you know, all these ble with all that stuff. That's just lying wonders. Verse 10, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Catholic Church is mentioned in the Bible. But those are not all of the false religions. You've got your Eastern religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam. You've got your New Ageism, your Scientology, your atheists, your agnostics. All of those are false teachers. And Jesus warned about them. Jesus earlier warned us there are only two gates, two ways, and two eternal destinations. Now Jesus warns us there are only two kinds of teachers, false teachers and teachers of truth. False teachers will deceive and mislead us. We must be on guard for them, and so Jesus tells us how to determine who they are. Judge the fruit of their works and their words. Do they conform with God's word? If not, mark them, stay away from them, and do not let them lead you to destruction. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.